before the year, I said, not me say, it's, uh, it's just us saying, we're not going to be... Welcome back to another episode of MLB, except for hockey, minor league banter. Uh, today we'll be talking more broad NHL stuff rather than uh, Capitals-related questions. But just to introduce ourselves once again, I am Ryan Fongheiser on Twitter, at rfongheiser. And I'm with at Andy. Wallace 39 aka Andy. What's going so, on, guys? To begin... We will talk about probably the biggest conversation in the NHL right now, which is the unrestricted free agent John Tavares and where he's going to sign on uh, July 1st. What do you think, Andy? I think that he will not be back for the Islanders. Uh, straight up. Yeah, I agree. I, where I, I don't think... It's kind of funny because with Barry Trotz coming there and the Islanders, I don't know, for some reason they have this idea that they can just flip the switch next season um, and everything will immediately fall into place. I, I don't know what they've done um, to make Tavares want to stay. I haven't seen any big moves. Um, I haven't seen any any rumblings of any, any type. Uh, their goaltending situation really isn't that hot. Uh, on the back end, you've got uh, I'd I'd say one of the fa- my favorite defensemen on the uh, the Islanders is Calvin DeHaan, and he's a UFA. I've heard nothing, um, so I don't I don't know why he'd want to come back. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about Calvin DeHaan in terms of re-signing with the Islanders. Um, so just for the record, if anyone doesn't know, he there are a few teams that have been rumored that Tavares is listing uh, uh, to actually sign with them. Those teams are the Boston Bruins, Toronto Maple Leafs, San Jose Sharks, Dallas Stars, Tampa Bay Lightning, and re- re-signing with the New York Islanders. And from what I've heard so far, really the only people that have a shot are the Maple Leafs, uh, Sharks, and Islanders. Yeah, I, I don't even know so, why. <laughs> I mean, I guess Tampa just has this need to be in every conversation. Um I don't, I don't know why they'd even be really involved in that. I, I understand, obviously, if you can try to get John Tavares, um, and if he expresses interest in your team, you listen. But just kind of, oh, it's how, it, how would they I don't even, even do know it? how it's conceivable. I mean, so this season, they don't really have anybody to, to re-sign, anybody significant. Um, Chris Kunitz, no reason to bring him back. Uh I, I don't I don't even know Cedric Paquette maybe that he's an RFA so he's got arbitration rights so it might be like a one or two year deal cheapy but you look at next season they've got um, Nikita Kucherov, Yanni Gord, uh, Braden Point like those guys right there. Um, Yanni Gord's making a million bucks. Braden Point's making two thirds of that. So. And then on top of that, uh, the only defenseman they have returning 
after next season are Hedman and Sergachev. So McDonough, Salman, Coburn, and Girardi are all gone. Um, not gone per se, but they're all uh, going to be UFAs. So the money just doesn't seem right. Yeah, they currently only have $5.3 million in cap space available, so they would obviously have to make moves in order for this even closely happen. Yeah, I think the only benefit that they really have right now um, is I believe them and the Dallas Stars can provide uh, Tavares with the most <clears throat> after-tax uh, take-home pay. Um, Agreed. Which is, I think that was a big contributing factor in why uh, they were able to get Stamkos for such a good price. Yeah, and I think that, that Stamkos seemed much more interested in returning to the Lightning than John Tavares has even showed because I I didn't know if I questioned whether Stamkos was leaving last season. I just kind of thought he was going to go directly back to Lightning, which is exactly what happened. But Tavares seems very open to talking to other teams, and I think it's been pretty apparent at least the past two seasons that he's not the happiest in New York, so yeah, it's almost into like a punching situation. Just it's kind of funny. Um, you look at this, and I, I think, was it? yeah, the Islanders. So each team offers Tavares seven million dollars a season. Um, obviously, the Islanders have the benefit of the eighth year, uh, but the Stars and um, the net his net wages if he was to sign a seven year deal with either Dallas or Tampa Bay, uh, he'd only make six hundred thousand. Uh, at 41.2 million, as opposed to 41.9 million or 0.8 million, um, with the Islanders having to play an entire additional season, um, so that that right there makes my it, it just seems like the money thing. Um, if he wants to optimize his cash, I, I don't want to say go outside of the Islanders uh, just for the tax benefits. Yeah, honestly, I'm not sure. I mean, personally, I I think out of the teams that are looking at him. The only ones that actually have a realistic chance are the Sharks, Stars, and the, uh, the Islanders. Now, personally, if, if this is not actually, like, intellectually speaking, I prefer, if any team, him going to the Sharks simply because I think he could play a big role there, which in the upcoming years, they're going to be losing some pretty big people. Their team is... Their star players are aging pretty well at this point. I mean, they've they've already lost a, a major name last year. So I think that would kind of fulfill that role. And I don't really know of a lot of younger players on their team that could fill that role once players like Brent Burns and any one of his caliber leaves. So. Well, it's actually, it's, it's interesting. Um, you look at their contracts right now. Uh, right now they have two RFAs and five UFAs. Uh, the UFAs, I, I don't even uh, think they're going to bring any of them back. Well, maybe Thornton, um, depending on the situation. But, I mean, you've got Eric Fair and Joel Ward. They've got no reason to bring them back. Uh, Dylan DeBello, who was an RFA and is now UFA because they didn't um, give him a qualifying offer, so he's not coming back. Uh, but then you look forward to the season after that, and they're going to have five RFAs, um, six, I'm sorry, yeah. and then uh, five UFAs. Like, they literally, the only players that are signed um, for at least the next two seasons Pass. are... Yeah, they only have three players that are signed, so... And that's Brent Burns is one of them with Vlasic and 
Evander Kane being the other. Yes, they have the money. <laughs> so I guess Martin Jones as well. But yeah, so I think realistically that's probably one of the best places for him. And and like I said, I think he could play a very big role on that team. And personally speaking, it would be nice not to have him in the Metro Division as a Caps fan. So yeah, another dark horse I think um, I, I would almost consider Dallas as a a potential suitor because um, you look at the you look at the money that's opening up now. Granted, they will have Tyler Sagan um, to send next season, which is a whole other animal. I mean, he's 26 years old, so you know damn well he's going to get paid. Um, but you've got guys like uh, Mark Mathot, highest paid defenseman right now um, on their team, and he will be a unrestricted free agent next season. So that's $4.9 million uh, being freed up. You've got Jason Spezza, 35 years old, somehow making $7.5 million. He'll be gone uh, next season. So the, the money could work there as well. Um, so the issue I have with the Dallas Stars is that I know Tavares is going to want to be a number one center, which I don't think they would be moving Jimmy Ben down to the second line for Tavares, at least in my opinion. Yeah, and so I feel like I feel like that's a personal confliction with with Tavares himself, which is why I don't think I think that's why one of the teams he's not talking to is the Dallas Stars. So yeah, and that's that's interesting because um, if he was to go to a place like Toronto. Um, he would not be, or I guess in certain situations, you, you could consider Austin Matthews the number one center over him um, once Matthews starts to enter more of his prime years. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see him realistically going to the Maple Leafs. I think they're just another one of those teams that are going to try to get anyone that's relevant at all to try to make their team better. So. I think that they're just like what you were talking about with with Tampa Bay. They're always going to be in the conversation regardless. Yeah, so I guess at the end of the day, I, I personally, I, I, I see San Jose being the best fit. I, I know the money isn't going to be as lucrative, um, but in terms of a brighter future, I would say that San Jose, uh, they, they've got a little bit better track record as of late um, as of success. So that's... That's probably who I'd lean towards him choosing if he was to to go out of the out of the New York Islanders organization. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, in general, just from not even an on ice perspective, but the city itself is is a lot less cancerous around the actual hockey team itself in San Jose compared to New York, because New York every year is having those talks about the the new arena and all the problems that they're just having as a yeah. team itself off the ice as well. So that's, that's another big thing that's most likely going to play a factor in his decision. And I guess a good, a good transition point is, uh, if a team's looking for that number one center in John Tavares, uh, obviously only one team's going to land them or land him. So who who are some, some other potential options out there? And and you look at the centers available and past Tavares, there's really not much. I mean, Let's say San Jose does land John Tavares. Does that mean that they would even consider uh, letting a guy like Joe Thornton walk? I, I highly doubt that. I, I could not see Joe Thornton um, leaving the Sharks. Yeah, I uh, highly doubt that as well. But then again, he made, he made $8 million last season, so could they handle that, I don't think uh, giving out John Tavares? I don't think he's going to be making $8 million this year. Uh, he's going to be another uh, Marlowe-type 
I mean, not really. He's he's going to go down in price. I mean, he is 38, um, played only 47 games last season. So I, don't, I think he he'll still be up there because, I mean, he's still a great player. But I think if they sign Tavares, I think they would still be able to, to sign Thornton as well. I don't I don't see that being in it any issue at all yeah so then if you if you knock off Tavares and Thornton I mean let's look at point production wise I mean some other notable centers that are UFAs one of them would be Paul Stastny again yeah um yeah, Stastny so will, Bozak. will he go back to Winnipeg no idea I don't I honestly don't know if he had any type of connection with them when he was there I don't know he's 32 now so I don't know what type of deal he's going to want probably long-term, but I don't see any team giving him more than four or five years realistically. So yeah, Winnipeg's an interesting situation um, because, uh, again, they've got a lot of young guys uh, coming up on contracts. Uh, Jacob Truba and Josh Morrissey, they're both up for deals, and that was their number one and number two defensemen. So I, I don't – I'd be surprised if they were given bridge deals. Um I personally, I hate bridge deals. I know in some situations they're very helpful, um, but I, I, you've kind of run that route with Truba already. So I think it's either you pay up for Truba, um, or like, yeah, or move on. I and I cannot see them trading him. Yep. Um, same with Josh Morrissey. Agreed. Uh, I don't know. I think he might have been off of an ELC, so I think it's maybe a little bit more realistic to give him um, a bridge deal. But, again, if you've got two guys that have got such proven track records, uh, Truba's 24 and Morrissey is 23. So if you throw eight-year deals at both of them, lock up your number one and your number two into their early 30s, and, and you're good to go. But then is it really worth risking that to bring back some 32-year-old center on a team where you've got you know Matthew Perot, Mark Shifley, Brian Little? Yeah. It's... It, you just it's not really necessary in my eyes so moving away from centers a bit some other big ufas this all season david perone thomas vanek jvr uh james neal all of those are pretty well-known names and very different cap hits for all of them vanek actually surprised me uh quite a bit i didn't realize he had produced at the rate that he did um yep again he is aging he's 34 years old but the fact that he made two million dollars and i mean still he, put up 56 points <laughs> yeah that's that that's pretty incredible so I'd, I'd have to imagine that um he'd still be he'd still be probably looked at by quite a few teams that are looking for like a middle six forward um yeah i i don't know jvr is interesting because he's at this point in his career uh he's always been a really good goal scorer he had 36 he's goals last year with scoring yeah he's he's always putting up points he's been one of the most consistent parts of the Maple Leafs, in my opinion. And uh, he's come up with a deal where he, he made he made quite a bit. He made, you know, four and a quarter each season. But I, I feel like the way he's produced and the, the way that the salary cap's trending, he could probably try to cash in more. Um, I don't know. <laughs> then again, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody threw a seven-year deal his way. Um, but I'd, I'd be interested to see if a team tries to take him and – maybe even try to mold him into a top-line forward. Because uh, the Maple Leafs have always been a really funky team. You can never really pinpoint who their number one line was. Uh, 
No, yeah, they are always swapping lines. Even before Babcock was in there, he he has been back and forth between lines constantly. I've had him on fantasy a couple of years, and I know a couple of friends have had him on fantasy. So I know, <laughs> just like you said, he's been. Their lines have been so back and forth, changing all the time. I so. think I had him on fantasy last year. I can't remember. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see him making more than four and a quarter a season. I think. He could eat. Yeah, I mean, one good comparable is uh, JT Miller. Um, I was thinking, I was thinking even TJ Oshie as well, both of them. Yeah, and and that's not like a hefty pay raise, but uh, kind of going out into the open market, uh, JT Miller and Oshie obviously both signed with the teams they were already on. Yeah. So you, you've got JVR who's testing them, testing the waters with 30 other teams, so he could probably inflate that by, you know, half, half a million to a million dollars. Yeah, I could, I could easily see him going for at least five point five and getting like a six or seven year term for that. Honestly, I, if he if he stays consistent with the way he is now, I mean, he's going to be, he's one of those players that could just consistently put up those points for a full contract. Yeah, in I my think, opinion, I think two interesting guys um to compare right now, uh, that were totally opposite ends of the spectrum salary wise are Michael Grabner and Rick Nash. Uh, mm-hmm. Grabner's another one of those guys. Well, I don't know. Grabner's always been really interesting. He he was, he's always been that fourth line guy, that for some reason, just kept scoring goals. Like I want to say, on the, when he was on the Rangers, he was consistently on their fourth line, but at least top five in scoring. Um, he made less than two million dollars, and then you've got Rick Nash over here, who made almost eight million and put up almost identically the same amount of points um, Grabner did. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Grabner has 27 goals. That's not that's a pretty good feat for not playing on even close to the first line. So, yeah, and he's only 30 years old. So, do you see him as being, you know, uh, priority over a guy like Vanek? Um, I'd I'd be interested to see which one of those two uh, go first. But do people envision Grabner as even potentially being a top six guy and not just that third or fourth line guy that that? cleans up the pucks um yeah i don't know because honestly you you look at look at the free agents now and and he was third yeah he, he scored the third most goals of any of the notable free agents um behind jvr and Tavares. so it's it, the guys do for a payday he really is yeah i'm just curious because i mean he only had 36 points this this season but 29 of them were were actual goals so that's it's an interesting stat that you honestly really don't see that much at the assists compared to the goals there's his goals are so inflated that i'm just curious to how much of a payday he would be getting i think he definitely deserves one it's just more of where how long like his i don't know how consistent he was with the rest of the seasons well it's it's funny because so, if you look at his um look at his previous deal uh he made in 20, 2011 he signed a five-year deal uh, for three million per season, and in those seasons, uh, the first season he went on to score twenty goals. So, you know, he kind of he he showed up. He he's had some pretty good seasons in in years past. The year before that, he put up thirty four. So he he was he was floating around there as that twenty thirty goal guy, but then um, in the following seasons, he was only putting up like twelve, eight, ten goals, um, and it actually hurt his his. Uh, future contract with the Rangers when he signed his two-year deal but 
these past two seasons, he's scored 27 goals in both seasons. So to me, I'd, I'd envision him looking for, you know, that one big contract to kind of finish it out his career. Um, I'm curious to how much you think big is for him. I don't know. It's it's interesting because you look at him and yes, he's got a lot of goals, but I, I don't know how teams value the, the point totals because if you look at his point totals, they're really not up there. But if you if you put him with an offensively capable player, will the assist come? Because all that's telling me is that he's able to, to finish the plays, but he doesn't have anybody to dish it to that will finish it for him. Um, so it's hard to say because he's never really made that kind of money, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if a team would throw, I don't know, $5 million with the way the cap's rising. Uh, I don't know if that's kind of a crazy number to throw out there, but he has shown he can score the goals. Well, he, I mean, he actually did make five mil, uh, 2015-2016. He's, he signed a, five, a one-year $5 million contract. Or actually, no, sorry. It was a... That was a three million dollar contract. His salary was five million. Never mind. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he would get signed for five mil. I think that might be a little bit much. Yeah, I'm I'm hesitant um, to go high. Um, I'd, I'd say that's the high end. I could see like three point five, a three point five four million dollar contract. I I don't see why a team wouldn't want a pure goal scorer like that. Yeah, I I I I feel like I've heard his name thrown around there as like an like an additive guy like all right let's throw him in the mix too but i i don't i don't i, I just can't see a team getting him on a cheap deal and just kind of thrown there um yeah i mean i think i think the devils know what he does so if anything i could see him resigning there and just getting a better deal than what he has now yeah that would that would be smart um again i haven't i haven't heard anything with respect to his name so i don't know if maybe he's trying to squeeze some money out of the of the NHL right now, um, but the, the Devils definitely have more than enough to hand. Um, now, two players uh, that I feel like would have been a, a Michael Grabner kind of signing, um, what a Michael Grabner signing was two years ago, uh, you've got Neil Yakupov and Anthony DeClaire. Yep. Now, Yakupov, I'm not, I don't know, he, he's, such, he's such a weird player, his potential's there, but... I don't know. It, it seems like every season he's always signing a deal, and and the monitor's always like, "Oh, he can, you know, maybe he'll do something," and then he just he just never gains the he never gains traction. He's never really done anything big. Yeah, he's definitely an interesting person to watch because I was I was really curious of how well he would pan out in Colorado, and at first he was on fire, but it seemed to die off. It was like he fell off a cliff almost. So, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I, I can, I don't know. He, he, he says he wants to stay in and there's, I think there's been reports that he's gotten maybe two or three. I, I'm not sure if it was offers or legit looks from a team. Um, so, I can, I can see him going out there and, and signing a, a cheap deal uh, to try to just bounce back. You know, go, go, go at it again. Try to gain traction in the league. Um, yeah, but then you, I, I would probably be more inclined to take a look at Anthony Declare. Um, to to me, he's just got more of an upside. Agreed. I can agree with that. So, uh, besides the free agents on the market, we also have some 
very notable signings and tradings that have happened since um, our last episode and even before that. Uh, one of the biggest names out there is Ilya Kovalchuk coming back to the NHL. We all knew it was coming. Honestly, I did not expect him to sign with the Kings, um, personally. But he signed a three-year, six, six uh, and a quarter million dollar contract. So that is definitely very high risk, but hopefully high reward uh, for them. We'll see. I, I'm interested in how he does because he, he is 35. So Yeah, I'm not... I don't know. I <laughs> I feel like the Kings are they, they've turned into this team where you send these old players to go and die. Like you've got like Vinny LeCavalier. He went there. He played a season or two. Died. Yeah, I mean honestly, I'm not sure I I'm not sure how how well he's gonna do because it, there's a huge difference between Russian ice and American ice. Well, I mean he's so, he's shown that he can play in the NHL and I, I think he knows what, what it takes to play here. I agree. Um, but when you're, I can understand that you, you might fall into a lull. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you're used to Russian ice, I mean, it's been a while since he's played in the NHL and he's gotten older and 35 is not really the easiest time to make changes like that. So that, I think that's where the biggest risk is because I mean, a six and a, a six and a quarter million dollar contract for three years, that's, that's pretty hefty. So, yeah, and I, I know he's kind of incomparable right now, but you, you look at a guy like Yarmir Yager, um, who came over, he seemed to transition fairly well. Uh, I would say he's, the hockey sense is probably way higher um, than Google Chucks is, but I, I don't think it should be terribly hard to transition. Um, I mean, the NHL equivalent, uh, at least for just point translations, um, the KHL is the the closest to being a one-to-one point equivalent. Uh, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, I think it's it's cool to see him get back in there. I, I don't understand why the Kings would want to throw that deal at him because you, if you look at the, their salary situation, um, going into the next season, they're not going to have a, an incredible amount of cap space uh, clearing up to re-sign Drew Doughty. Because you know damn well He's, he's probably going to hold out, see what Eric Carlson gets, and then try to shoot under that a little bit. But, I mean, the, the largest contract that they've got coming off their books next season is Nate Thompson, and he's making just over $1.5 million. So where do you get the money to bring back Drew Doughty? There's, there's got to be a body that gets moved um, as a result of, of bringing Kovalchuk. Yeah, which, which that's hard because... I mean, they have they have a decent amount of large contracts. Like their defense, they have so much money wrapped in their defense. I feel like it's very similar to the the caps actually. Because I mean, if they if he gets like a nine ten million dollar deal, which he could easily easily get, I mean that's that's ten million alone plus enough. They have enough for another three years. So that's a five and a quarter million plus Martinez is four million. Jake Muzzin another four million. So that's that's a lot of money wrapped into your defense on top of having players like Kopitar, Kovalchuk, Jeff Carter, Dustin Brown, all those still on your roster. So it'll be definitely definitely be interesting. Yeah, to me, I think it's it, Dustin Brown. They, they need to. I know he had somewhat of a career revitalization, but I I don't know him him and Carter. I feel like one of those two is is gonna yeah. have to get shipped out, or maybe they get lucky and move Fanouf. Um. But I know with all the, the no-move clause, the no-trade clause, that's going to be 
decently yeah, hard to so do. It's, it's definitely going to be interesting to me. I know the um, I know Dustin Brown has a modified uh, trade clause, so I think Jeff Carter will probably be the easier person to move. But we'll see. It's 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 going to be interesting for sure. I mean, it is fair to say that Drew Doughty's already making seven million, so it'll be a three million dollar raise, which right now they have. So I guess it depends on what their all season is going to look like this year. Um, and maybe they won't have to make that many moves, but it'll be interesting to see for sure. Yeah, uh, I guess another trade. Um, <laughs> I guess as Cavs fans, we weren't too devastated uh, with how things played out with this one. But you see Connor Sheary and Matt Hunwick go over to the Buffalo Sabres for fourth-round pick. Um, at first it was... I didn't really think much of it uh, until we found out the reasoning behind it. Um, and that was to move Jack Johnson into the light and <laughs> for some reason offer him a five-year deal. Uh, I I was so shocked by that whole sequence of event, honestly. Like, even when even before the Jack Johnson uh, signing was announced, the fact that they had traded Connor Sheary and a defenseman for just a conditional fourth round, which may come which may be a third round was really surprising to me because I know a lot of people uh, that thought Connor Sheary was very valuable and I feel like they just gave him up for absolutely nothing. And then it ended up being to sign a defenseman for a, in my opinion, awful contract. So if I was a Penguins fan, I, mean, I honestly would be it's pissed. Legitimately it's Brooks Orpik 2.0. Uh, the salary's not quite there. Um, but and what I don't understand is so you've got you've got your top two centers, Malkin and Crosby. That's that's it. Like there's no questioning that. And then even you've got Derek Broussard, who you've got for a year still, as your third line. So what what I don't quite understand with all this is why did they bring back Riley Sheehan? They brought him back for a one year deal for two point one million. If if I'm the Pens. I just let Sheehan walk, and if I really, really want to sign Jack Johnson, I don't even make that trade, and I, I just don't bring him back, and I use that space to, to sign Jack Johnson, because the, the contract, 3.5 really isn't terribly high, especially with the way that the cap's moving, um, and, and it's something I think that they could still achieve, even without clearing all that cap room. Yeah. Um, Unless, unless we're happy to clear Shiri's cap, which to me is a travesty because, and I understand that he's always been kind of labeled as a passenger. He's, you know, when you come in and you, you play a lot of time with Crosby, it's really hard to make a name for yourself. But he, he's still that middle six forward, um, and I think the the Buffalo Sabers will really benefit from getting. I, yeah, I agree there. I I don't think he's going to be an absolutely amazing player, but there's potential in him that they just kind of gave up for a mediocre defenseman, which yeah. I feel they could have, I mean, they could have gotten any, any other defenseman. They could have done another move or traded <laughs> for someone. They could have signed someone else. Like, it, yeah, I, I, I think you just kind of leave it at that. Like there's really nothing else to say. It, it's just, and, and, and again, it's, it was only a verbal agreement. So maybe they back out, but I, I'd, I'd be surprised if they did. Yeah, it's just the the thing that surprised me the most. It's like it, it the the league does not have any sort of shortage of left defensemen, so it's it's just interesting to me that he was the one that they decided or 
yeah, that they decided to sign yeah. and move Sherry for it. So, um, so another another one, and we just kind of mentioned it was the Orpic contract. So, right before the draft began, the Capitals traded Phil, the rights to Philip Grubauer and the contract of Brooks Orpic for a second round pick, which honestly is the complete opposite side of the spectrum. That is amazing to me. Uh, Grubauer was not going to sign with Washington. He wanted to be a starting goaltender, and I think he has the ability to do that. And we got rid of, or the Capitals got rid of a contract that has been haunting them for a few years now, even though management did not publicly say that. Uh, Capitals have been very tight on cap space for the past few seasons, so getting rid of that very high contract was was very worth it. And getting a second-round pick out of it, uh, not a bad deal at all. Yeah, I, I think it was pretty masterful how they moved Brooks Horpik. Um I mean, he's 37 years old. He was making $5.5 million. Um, and Colorado just straight up bought him out as soon as the trade happened so yeah they had no intention of keeping him which is the the, the funny part it, you just kind of no i think that was the because there were all the the rumblings coming out how you know like 10 plus teams were interested in grubauer and i i think instead of and, and i commend the gm of the caps for doing this but instead of getting wide-eyed and and being like oh like what can i what can i really get if i just move him um, you kind of—it's it, like what the Senators are trying to do with Eric Carlson, how they're dangling Bobby Ryan next to him. Um, like, if you really want this good player, you can just take this guy with you. Uh, so I, I thought that was—that that was the perfect move to to really make with Grubauer because we all knew he was going to leave. Yeah, and honestly, I, it does kind of surprise me a little bit that they they bought Orpic out because I feel like a defenseman like. I mean, he is old, kind of slow at this point, but he's not a bad person for a younger team to have on on their team, especially if you're just going to buy him out and still eat what is it three, two and a half, three million dollars a season. Yeah, I think I think it breaks down to yeah, some, something around that for two years. Um, and I don't know, yeah, for having one there for one season, it's it's kind of funny. Um, they they are pretty log jammed on defense. Um. They've got Eric Johnson, Tyson Berry, uh, Nikita Zadorov, a couple other younger guys on ELCs. So maybe the idea was that they didn't want to, <laughs> well, the Capitals really should have gotten through their heads early on, but they didn't want to flood uh, the path for the younger guys, which that's something totally unrelated. Well, sort of related, but I hope that the Capitals don't grab Orpic because a lot of these teams, as as we saw with the Capitals winning the Cup, a lot of their success came off of the younger guys really showing up in the playoffs and, and helping out the team in an area that they probably didn't think they needed help in. I mean, it even helped them this year. Uh, the Capitals had m- more younger players this year than any of the previous seasons, and this was the year that they won the Cup. So I don't know if it's necessarily because of that, but there was a difference this year that the Capitals didn't have the, the previous couple of seasons so yeah and uh i guess the biggest trade um biggest trade so far at least in my eyes was the dougie hamilton trade uh i thought i thought the carolina hurricanes you know some, something's got to give the team has done such a good job 
being assembled. And they just cannot get over that hump. It's like they can't even make it up. They don't even have the chance to, to show off what they can, what they can do. Um, and, and now they go out and get a player in Dougie Hamilton, who at first I thought, you know, I'm like, okay, H Hamilton's a good player. Um, but, you know, you look, you look a little bit closer, and, and he really... I think he brought a lot more to the Flames than a lot of people thought, uh, because at least for me, when I think of the Flames' defense, I think of Mark Giordano. Um, but I didn't realize, you know, how he's aging. Um, how important Doug Hamilton was, kind of holding, holding that pair together and, and holding that defense together. Yeah, I mean, I always thought Dougie Hamilton was a great player. I mean. I he was one of the people that I would have been okay with the Capitals trading for to replace Carlson if his contract was too high. So I mean I know John Carlson he's another one of the players that we would like to hit uh, signed an eight million uh, eight year contract with the Capitals. It's personally more than what I would have wanted to sign for, but you know I can't complain because. Brian McClellan, he has done a fantastic job this offseason with keeping almost the exact same roster as the Stanley Cup winning team. And that is something that is not very easy to do at all. And I, I don't know, for a team that has such a tight cap space, that's it's really impressive to me that he was able to do that. So Because that, that adds on to the fact that they signed Devontae Smith-Pelly for a $1 million one year contract. And that's a steal for me. The last episode I was saying how I don't think we should sign him because I think he'll be too expensive. I was completely wrong. That was he he took a deal to stay with the Capitals and that's saying something that that's a steal for them. He became he came up clutch as much as I as much as I made fun of him, as much as I hated him on the on the caps. He came up so clutch in the playoffs that he earned whatever he got from us this season, so Yeah, I it, it's it's nice to see him take that discount. It and, and I I mentioned this like a day ago. It it's kind of amazing to see a player that's went through so many ups and downs in his career um, to leave money and term on the table just to come back to a team that he enjoyed. Agreed. So that's you know I I, I can't sit here as much as I want to sit here and say that we didn't need him and. He wasn't that great of a player. I, I'm at this point. I'm like, screw it. Just bring him back. No, yeah, I, just for a year. The fact that we signed him for a year, one million. That you don't get better than that. It's so close to league minimum that that's it's just amazing to me for someone that played such a crucial part in the playoffs. That that's great. I mean, seven seven goals not easy, regardless of it how they are scored. Seven goals in the playoffs is not easy. Not not easy at all to do. So that, yeah. that type of clutch performance will be really useful, especially if they're trying to do a two-peat it'll it'll be nice yeah and uh moving into another another trade and this happened a little bit earlier um but the alex galchenyuk trade uh for max domi um so that was another that was another big trade uh again you know you just sometimes you really don't understand what the mantra is um or, or what goes through mine or their mind <laughs> but you got a guy in Alex Galchenyuk, and I, I don't know. He, he's consistently putting up 40 to 50 points 
Um, and then you come over here and you look at Max Domi. And he had, he, he has, he, he did have a very good rookie year. Um, he's, he's tapered off slightly. I, I really wouldn't even say tapered off that much. I, I think he's been a, a pretty consistent presence on the Coyotes. It's kind of hard to say. Um, I don't know. I, I, I've, I've seen opinions saying that Galchenyuk was the clear, the clear win. Um, I guess it, it really depends on what the Canadians decide to do with these guys. Uh, do you try to put Demi into that center role? Did they really give up on Galchenyuk as a, a, a legitimate option at center for their team? And is that why they got rid of him? Because um, if you if you go and you trade Galchenyuk for Domi and then you just throw Domi on the wing, you think to yourself, well, what, what was the point of that? Uh, the only thing I can think of is, you know, you saved a couple million bucks for two years because Domi is going to be making probably close to what Galchenyuk makes by the time his next contract comes around. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting trade for me. I mean, personally, my preference would be that Galchenyuk is worth more than Domi, but like you said, it completely depends on how they use him. Galchenyuk is such a high-reward player, in my opinion, that I it just, like you said, I don't know what Montreal's doing half the time, so it's, it's just going to be really interesting to see how they how they pan this out. Yeah, I mean, they're the same age. It, I don't know. It, it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see which, which player has more success on their team. Um, it's also interesting to note that, like, I mean, Domi has been on a team that has been just so consistently bad mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm curious that if, depending on who he's uh, played with, he could have a much better season than he's ever had. So, well, I, mean, I mean, it could be a career year for him. <laughs> I mean, you look at Montreal. Can we, can we really say they've been that great? As of late, hey, just because <laughs> the the team may not have exact the exact success that they want, but I mean, you put him with someone like Gallagher, uh, someone along those lines, like I don't know, his production could just in- increase that much more. I mean, there wasn't many big names on the Coyotes, to be honest. So it's it'll be interesting. To yeah, see. another another interesting thing is if they really do decide to put him on the wing. Um, it seems pretty obvious that they're going out and trying to get a center. So who is the center that they get? If they go out and they get like Ryan O'Reilly and put Max Domi with him, I that would be a very lethal line. Yep. Um, yeah. But it, it all depends. Like, who are they willing to move? Uh, do you go out? And they, again, this would just be a, a, a crazy, crazy thought. You know, Max Pacioretty, like, I, I can't even fathom them getting rid of him. Um, but if they're really sold on you know not bringing him back next season because he's got a year left do you move him and try to get a ryan o'reilly player that could really help you out um at center so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting they're definitely a team that i'm gonna watch the rest of this offseason to see to see what they do and how they handle the problems that they have now especially after their massive carry price signing so yeah and uh speaking of problems uh the last free agent signing i'm sorry the last trade that we really wanted to get into was the mike hoffman trade Um, the triangle (laughs) yeah it's you know politics aside issues aside uh what his girlfriend did was totally fucked um but i mean you you look at a player like mike hoffman the the the, what the panthers gave up for him the, the state of the panthers right now it's just not too hot so if I'm a Panthers fan, I'm not. I'm not devastated. You know, 
Yeah. On your team, you see what he does. It, it's it's a, it's a screwed up situation, but I mean, you look at their forwards now. They have Jonathan Huberdeau, Alex Barkov, Vincent Trocheck. You throw Mike Hoffman in the mix. Like that that top six is very very lethal. Solid. You know. Yeah. I, <laughs> so just for just to like give background into this trade, so the uh, the Ottawa Senators traded Mike Hoffman to San Jose Sharks with a defenseman and a fifth-round pick for uh, Bodeker, uh, another defenseman, and a sixth-round pick. So they got basically nothing in return for Mike Hoffman compared to what he was worth before the whole politics incident went public. Um, and then right after, the Panthers uh, got Hoffman for – uh, second round pick, fourth round pick, and fifth round pick. So Ottawa not wanting to trade them to Panthers got got it was absolutely stolen. Mike Hoffman was got they got no return compared to what they could have received. So it's just very interesting. But yeah, I don't like the idea of not wanting to trade within your division because the second you let go of that asset, you have no control as to where they're going to go following that. And that's a um, number one that. example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you saw that right there at the Mike Hoffman trade. San Jose Sharks got more back for Hoffman because they traded into the Panthers when the Senators did not want to. And now he is on the Panthers, and the Senators are sitting there with basically nothing for the guy. Um, another example, which wasn't as glaring, uh, but the Orpic trade, um, Orpic Rubauer trade, the Capitals could have gotten a slightly higher second-round pick because um, the Carolina Hurricanes were interested. Now, granted, I think they were a little bit more um, sure that where they were sending him in Colorado, uh, Colorado had no intention of getting rid of him. So w- when you can when you can send him to a team where you're confident he's going to stay, go for it. But if there's a better option on the table, I, I don't understand. You know, a team that you're going to see at most, that, or, yeah, if it's if it's interdivision, you're going to see him what six times in a season. Um, I know in the playoffs, like oh no, you face him in the playoffs, but. Honestly, if you can get a better chance, if you can get a better return, you just pull the trigger. Yeah. So uh, just real quick, there's some other news that I just saw uh, very quickly that it seems that Mike Green is going to be re-signing with Detroit on a two-year deal. Don't know how official that is, but that's interesting to see. And they are also uh, Detroit is also eyeing uh, goaltender Jonathan Bernier. So it seems as though oh they're God, going to start first breaking news. <laughs> it seems as though those are going to be some pretty important deals on Detroit's end. Um, Mike Green is a right-handed defenseman, which is not very easy to come by in the current state of the NHL. So ha- having him off the market completely changes the free agency if he resigns with them before July 1st. Yeah, I guess what, one topic that I, we really weren't going to look at um, – and in terms of free agents, we did a bad job. <laughs> we didn't cover defensemen. Um, but I know that we, we were looking at defensemen uh, during the last podcast. And the, the whole thing about having a right-hand defenseman and that being such a big deal and so hard to get, um, Mike Green was, was really one of the only options out there um, in terms of getting a legitimate right defenseman that a lot of teams are going to be going after. Um with him off the market, I mean, you've got nobody. You re- you really don't have anybody. Yeah, really, the only 
So this is something I was looking at in terms of the Washington Capitals because they still need a right-handed defenseman. Um, really, the, the only players that you're going to have are Matt Dumba and players like you, you start going to a lot of not really known players like Greg Paterin. That's really that's really the only other person that I know has scored. It's uh, even close to a significant amount. I think Paterin scored, what, 30 points this season? So it just drops so significantly after Mike Green. Matt Dumba is really the only other person. Yeah, and I think, is Matt Dumba a RFA? He's an RFA. Yeah, he's an RFA, but in terms of like actually being a right defenseman on the market, he's really the only yeah, one. Yeah, one of them that I'm, I'm wondering, and it, the name hasn't been out there, but I just it makes me wonder. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, now that they've got Dougie Hamilton, um, they've got three right defensemen. Uh, I believe Brett uh, Pesky, or I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his last name. I think he's the other right defenseman, but I know he's locked up for like five seasons, so he's not going anywhere. Um, I'd imagine. I mean, they've just Falk, which that that ha- his name has been in the rumors in terms of the Carolina of in terms of Carolina making a trade, so that could be a. Yeah, well. I think the only other two names, um, two names that I personally add up myself, uh, Cody Franzen, uh, barely had any time last season, just another defenseman that got drugged in the mud by Chicago. Uh, but as you, yeah, he actually is. He's another person I was looking at as well. So uh, he is a UFA. I mean, he's 30 years old, but he's a right hand D. So honestly, he could probably make some mar- uh, some money this this off season if he's looking to go to a team that needs one. Yeah, and then the only other one would be uh, Dylan DeMello of the Sharks. He didn't get um, he didn't get tendered, so he's a UFA. Played over 60 games this season, averaged just over 14 minutes a game. Which it depends on what the teams are looking for. If you're looking for uh, for the Caps uh, scenario, if you're looking just for a third pair right defenseman, guys like that, go for go for the gamble. Try him out for a season or two. Uh, but if there's a team that's really looking for a top four right D, it's slim. You really have no choices. Agreed. So I guess the the last uh, general NHL topic that we have is, so since our last episode, the NHL draft happened, and obviously the most significant thing that happened in that draft is the fact that Buffalo drafted uh, Dolan. So significant, curious as to what surprising. you think. Yeah, very not, not surprising at all. They were so excited to uh, announce that they were going to be do, drafting him. So uh, – Curious to your thoughts, Annie, of wh- how you think that's going to affect the Sabres this season. <laughs> I, you know, getting a player like that, it, it gets everybody like super pumped and super happy. Um, it's it's kind of like the when the Oilers got Connor McDavid. You know, everybody thinks that the franchise is immediately saved and is just going to flip. Um, Connor McDavid. He took the Oilers pretty damn far. <laughs> what was it two seasons ago? Yep. But then you look at this past season, and they were the basement dwellers again. They didn't get anybody surrounding him. I mean, no supporting cash. They didn't get Milan Lucic. Like who is who is that? But not to drag in the Oilers too much. You look at the Buffalo Sabers. Who do they have on defense? Like you've got Rasmus Dahlin, and then who? Uh, people go crazy over Ristolainen. I don't get it. The, the guy's a power play specialist, and that's it. Um, Zach Bogosian, Marcus Candela, Nathan Bellew, just just not big-name guys. Um, not not very significant players. Uh, I don't know. But it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see if they could get a solid defenseman from Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. Um, 
but then you, you, you Which risk, is something that they desperately you, need. You go and you risk your forwards. I mean, who do they have at center now? You've got Jack Eichel, obviously, but uh, I, to you know, do you try to throw Casey Middlestad in the top six forward position? Uh, who do you put on the wings? Connor Sheary's probably going to take some top six minutes. Um, yeah, I, I can see Sheary definitely going that direction. So, yeah, I, honestly, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe – I don't know their current wing situation or center – the Buffalo Sabres is not a team that I've really paid attention to that much. But, I mean, besides that, there's not really many people that you can move on their team. I mean, you have Kyle Poso, which he has a modified to trade clause, so he's going to be harder to move. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure that they necessarily want to move him either. But, I mean, Jason Pommaville, who has a no-movement clause – uh, yeah, to, to me, it's just, you know, they, they, they've. Uh, Dolan is a generational talent. Jack Eichel, great player. But I, I just, I don't see the Buffalo Sabres really turning the corner yet. I just, I don't see, I don't see a, an elite team or even a skilled team that can even make the playoffs. Um, I would I love know. to see them be the team that trades for Justin Falk, honestly. Yeah, I go think out there in, the, in these big names. Like, I, I don't know, but I, I, I definitely think the defense needs to be addressed because trying to run with Rasmus or Salainen as as one of your top D just doesn't make sense to me, um, and and it scares me because you know in four years when his contract's up and he's twenty seven years old, if the Buffalo Sabers go out there and and give him that eight year extension and a raise, like that's just like a death sentence to me. Yeah, it's. It, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I actually don't know. Is Dolan a right-handed D or a left-handed D? Um, that's a good question. Sure. Those, I, doesn't really matter. I'm honestly not sure. <laughs> honestly, at this point, you could probably just have Dolan be their entire first pair. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. well, I, I think at that... Uh, uh, we could do we could do the, we could could do do the a Spitfire. We had some questions that were asked from Twitter again. We could just do another Spitfire session real quick before we end the podcast. Um. <laughs> Spitfire, go, go. What is going okay. on with Michael Kempney? Uh, Michael Kempney is most likely going to re-sign with the Washington Capitals. Seems like they are close to a deal. They are just ironing out some uh, issues that we are not really sure of. But besides that, it seems like he'll be back with Washington, but not sure. All right, hit me. Are Riley Barber and, and Transport NHL players? Uh, I think Riley Barber, uh, if he uses his speed correctly, he is. Travis Boyd, I'm not quite sure. I like him as the fourth line center spot, but his speed is not quite there. So, I don't know. I think Chandler Stevenson has kind of supplanted him. All right. Which left defenseman prospect has the biggest upside? Go. Uh, Lucas Johansson, I think. I don't really have to explain that. I mean, he <laughs> the pick last year. He seems like he's going to be a very fast and solid and intellectual defenseman, just like Christian Juice was. He just needs to get bigger, just like Christian Juice. So, we'll see. Uh, so, <laughs> so Capitals select uh, Alexander Alexiev in the draft. What do you think of him? I guess two first names. Is Vanacek a wasted second round pick? <laughs> uh, I don't know if he's necessarily been a waste. I don't think he's going to be as good as we wanted him to be. Um, but I mean, he's been somewhat decent in Hershey. But in terms of Capitals, yeah, he probably was a wasted pick. Is uh, Todd Reardon a cucumber? No, Todd Reardon is a hard-boiled egg. What is your favorite amiibo? 
<laughs> my favorite amiibo is the one that I actually currently don't have, which is the Dark Souls uh, Praise the Sun amiibo. Which oh I wow, it's probably like $1,000 on eBay. <laughs> it's actually not out yet, so we'll see. My favorite amiibo is Purple Squid amiibo. And uh, for one last question, which I really haven't put any thought into, but I'm just going to try and say something about it. Uh, most amazing yet forgotten season for a player. Uh... I'm going to go with almost every season recently of, of Evgeny Malkin because I, I feel like <laughs> I've seen a lot of trash talk on him from Penguins fans, which is just amazing for me because, in my opinion, he's one of the most valuable players. So I don't, and he's like Backstrom, but I mean, past fans don't talk trash about Backstrom, but he's so underrated compared to what he should be. He's just been amazing for them, and I don't see any reason why he doesn't get more recognition than he does. Yeah, I don't know. I'll go with an easy one. I'd say Connor McDavid this season. <laughs> he was far away leading in points again. Um, he wasn't even a consideration for MVP. Now, I know it's most valuable player to your team, and Taylor Hall getting the New Jersey Devils into the playoffs is a clear winner, but to not even be a top three is just a travesty. Um, and with that, that's minor league banter. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>